imaginative prayer uses scripture and our God-given imaginations to bring us into the presence of God. The purpose of this practice is not only to hear God's word, but to experience him. Imaginative prayer helps us to visualize a gospel story and worship God as he really is. Let us begin with prayer. Father, you are pleased. In the quiet of this moment, we come before you and sit still in your presence. We silence every distraction and focus our attention to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We want to hear your truth and experience all that you are. Protect our hearts and minds from things that would distract us from you. Give us clarity and peace. Be with us, we pray. Amen. Take this moment to close your eyes and get in a comfortable position. Now take a moment to take three deep breaths. In your nose. And out of your mouth. As you exhale, feel the tension leave your body. Feel the distractions depart. As you inhale, imagine God's love filling your lungs and bringing life to your body. Feel the clarity coming back to your mind. Now hear the word of God. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for a veil no room for guests avail- guest room available for them. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over the flock at night. And angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy of all our people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He 
Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those who, on whom His favor rests." When the angel had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about." So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph. And the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child. He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Imagine in your mind's eye that this man Caesar Augustus would issue a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Imagine how big the Roman Empire would be at this time, beginning in. Northern Africa, all the way to Northern Europe, all the way to the Middle East. How much power would one man be given to issue a decree that the entire Roman world would be given a census? What are the thoughts going through Mary and Joseph's mind? Imagine what the setting in life would be during this time of the Roman Empire. Was it a time of peace? Or was it a time of war? What did the average person at this time think of the Caesar? And what did the Caesars think of themselves? Did they really believe they were gods? Were people convinced that they were gods, or did they worship them out of fear? Who was this governor of Syria named Quirinius? Why did everyone in town obey this census and go to their town and register? Imagine was this a time of stress? For everybody in the town, were there repercussions if they didn't take the census? And then, what kind of pressure did this have on Mary and Joseph? Did they have to travel far to take this census? What kind of stress was Mary under as a young, pregnant girl? The word says that Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea. Imagine this journey 
with a 14 and 13 year old. How far is Galilee from the city of Nazareth to Judea? What would it be like for these two young teenagers, one being pregnant, to travel 85 to 90 miles by foot with no car, with no wagon, with no plane, probably with a donkey and pregnant. How high is Bethlehem? If it is 2,564 feet above sea level, what kind of terrain was Mary and Joseph traveling through? How hot, how sweaty and miserable would this journey have been? Was this a journey that was frustrating for them? Did they fight during this time? Or was it peaceful? Why was this city of David called Bethlehem? What does Bethlehem mean? Does it mean the house of bread? If it does mean the house of bread, is it tied to the fact that Jesus would be called the bread of life, John 6? Would Mary and Joseph know these prophecies of the Messiah? Did they talk about these things on their journey of 85 to 90 miles. What would it mean for Joseph to be of the house and family of David? Was Joseph a religious man? Did he have a personal relationship with the living God? Was he too filled with the spirit how would this young man have handled the news that his bride was pregnant? When the scriptures say that he was engaged to Mary, who was with child, what does it mean to be engaged in the first century? Was engagement a legally binding agreement? Was it equivalent to what we have today in the 21st century with marriage? What would others think of Joseph and Mary knowing they were engaged but yet pregnant? Would this cause shame? Would he be tempted to leave her would she be tempted to run away? Imagine what this betrothal was like. Did Mary and Joseph have a say in this? Or was this an arranged marriage between two families? Was Mary and Joseph destined to be together did they choose each other? 
Or did their families make a prearranged agreement? And if that's the case, what could be going on in Mary and Joseph's minds at this time? Imagine after their long journey, which probably took a week long. Imagine what they smelled like. Imagine the dirt on their face having not showered for a week. Imagine the load that they were carrying either on a donkey or their backs. And imagine them arriving at a stable because there wasn't any room at the inn. And imagine them moving into this smelly barn and her coming into the end of her pregnancy, getting ready to give birth. Was she waddling in the stable? Was she in pain? What's it like to be pregnant and traveling 90 miles on foot? Was baby Jesus in the womb, kicking around and sitting on her liver and moving around as she's traveling for a week? What did her back feel like? What was her body feeling at the time she was laying down for the first time in one week. When the scriptures say she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapping him in cloths and laying him in a manger, think about what she must have been feeling at that time. Was she feeling joy or stress because her firstborn it was born in a manger, in an animal shelter. Not the cleanest facility. Was she feeling frustrated? Or was the Holy Spirit filling her with joy and gladness? Imagine what kind of thoughts Joseph had towards the innkeeper apparently told him there was no room for them in the inn. What was the exchange between Mary and Joseph after they had been told there's no room for them? Imagine how far of a walk it was from that inn that was full to the manger. Was it around the corner? Was it a few more miles down the road? Was there tension in the air? Or was there peace and quiet as they walked to the inn? What does it mean that the baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes? Where did this practice of swaddling come from? How did the ancients know that swaddling would calm a baby down? How advanced 
or midwives in the ancient world? Did Jesus come out crying and did he stop crying when they wrapped him tightly in swaddling clothes? Did he feel warm? I imagine what the animals were thinking. If Jesus is the Son of God, could the animals feel his divine presence? When Jesus came out of the womb and entered into that barn, that manger scene, were the animals understanding what was happening? Were they calm? Were the animals making noises? Did the animals bow down to the savior of the world, to the Messiah, to the Yeshua HaMashiach? What were the animals like during this birth? When the scriptures talk about shepherds being in the same region, out in the fields, who were keeping watch over their flock by night, how did people think about shepherds? What were shepherds' role in society? What were they known for? How did the chief priests and the Pharisees see shepherds? How were shepherds viewed in the overall community? Were they considered outcasts? Were they looked down upon by everyone else? What kind of job was it to be a shepherd? Was it a job for the rich person or the poor person? What would it be like for a shepherd to be standing watch in the middle of the night over his sheep? And then an angel of the Lord suddenly standing before them. And then the glory of the Lord showing all around them. And what would it look like for a shepherd to be completely terrified? And what was the reaction of the sheep? Did the sheep react like the shepherds would have? Did the sheep scatter? Did any of the shepherds faint? at the sight of an angel. When the shepherds heard the angels say that a savior who is Christ the Lord has been born, what were their thoughts? Were they thinking the Messiah is finally here? Or did they think they were going crazy? What were their thoughts when they heard the angel say, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger? Was this a scene that they would normally expect to see? A baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Would they think that the angel was lying to them? 
Would they be confused at this time? Would they be concerned about leaving their sheep behind? Or did they leave them behind with absolute trust that the sheep would be okay? Now imagine what it would have been like for suddenly a company of heavenly hosts appearing with the angel and then praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Imagine how frightened they must have been to see this scene. But when the angels left them and they went back into heaven, the shepherd said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Were they fully convinced that this was true? And why were they so excited? Did they hear stories about this growing up? Was this an event that they were anticipating? And when they ran, how fast did they run? Imagine how long it took them to find Mary and Joseph. How many stables were there in the area? Did they run into anybody's houses? Was their hearts beating fast? Were they running with their canes? Imagine what excitement they had when they finally found a baby lying in a manger. When they spread the word about him, how loud were they yelling? And who were the people that were hearing them yell and spread this news? When they saw shepherds sharing this news, did the people believe them? Did they look down on these shepherds? Or did they see the absolute joy on the shepherd's face? When the shepherds glorified God and praised them for all the things they had seen and heard, were their lives changed? Imagine the rough lives that they had been living up to this point. And just imagine how quickly their lives changed by simply standing in the field and meeting a heavenly host of angels. Imagine what kind of changes would have taken place in their lives from this miraculous event where some struggling with some sins and now they realize they should put those things down. I wonder if any of them were married and how this interaction affected their marriages. How did this interaction with the angels and finding the Messiah affect their relationships with their children and their families and their jobs from here on out. This story ends in this section on the eighth day when they circumcised baby Jesus. 
I wonder what they called him between that first and eighth day. What was Mary and Joseph calling him before they named him Jesus? Imagine the person who came to circumcise baby Jesus. Where did they find this person? Imagine what kind of tools they used in the ancient world for a circumcision. Did the baby cry during the circumcision? Imagine the energy that spread across the entire earth when the Son of God entered into the world as a baby in a manger. Imagine the energy that must have affected the entire earth. Did people in Southern Africa feel that the Messiah had arrived? Did people in Asia feel that the Messiah had arrived? Did people in the Americas feel that this Messiah had arrived? How far was the light shining from the angels and the heavenly hosts? Could that light be seen from miles and miles away? How are the plants and the trees and the birds of the air affected by the Messiah entering into the universe? Did the entire earth feel the presence of the Messiah? What songs were sung on that very first night that the Messiah had arrived? And how were the lives of everyone in that manger changed from what they had seen and heard? that night in Bethlehem. And now, let us reflect on this story of the Messiah coming into the world. If the Messiah is the good news of great joy, what is the bad news in your life? What are some things that require good news? Is it wounds of the past? Is it idols that you worship? Is it frustrations and anger, deceit, shame, or sadness? Where do you need the Savior? Where do you need the good news? Our prayer for you and all of us in hearing this story is that we would come to terms with the need for the Savior. <laughs>